Welcome to Conversations with Coaches, where top executive coaches talk about the leadership tools that shape their practice and then give them to you for free. This is a stakeholder-centered coaching production where we believe everyone deserves a stakeholder-centered leader. I'm Brandon Murgard, CEO and Master Coach, and I'll be your host as we take you inside the Coach's Toolbox. The best part of this season is you get to keep the tools. We're giving each resource to our listeners for free as part of our mission to measurably improve leadership around the world. You can download all the tools at mgscc.net forward slash coach dash toolbox. That's mgscc.net forward slash coach dash toolbox. And by the way, if you are a certified stakeholder centered coach, you already have access to all these tools right inside your SCC coach portal. So get yours today. My guest today is Inderjeet Singh, the founder and CEO of Grow More Avenues. He's a coach trainer, an executive coach, and a consultant. An engineering graduate from the prestigious Indian Institute of Technology, he has accrued more than 30 years experience in functions such as sales, marketing, management, and entrepreneurship. He is an ICF master certified coach, an NLP master practitioner, and a Marshall Goldsmith Certified Coach, as well as our longtime business partner in India. Inderjeet is the founder of Grow More Avenues, a coach training and coaching services provider. As a coach trainer, he has more than 10,000 hours of coach-specific training experience, which he translates into simple yet effective ways of teaching his coach training programs. As a trainer, he delivers long-term programs, like Grow More Coach Model 1 and 2, as well as short-term programs like Being a Manager and Coach and Coaching for Sales Excellence, which are designed to turn participants into professional coaches. He has trained more than a 1,000 professionals in these ICF-credentialed programs. He's been a Marshall Goldsmith Stakeholder-Centered Coaching Partner since 2014 in India, being instrumental in bringing stakeholder-centered coach training to more leaders. He does this by walking the talk, either by spreading the perspectives on leadership taught by Marshall Goldsmith, by leading the mentorship program phase of the stakeholder-centered coach training, and by sharing for helping executives become better leaders and more wholesome human beings. Inderjeet, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you, Brandon. That was that was very nicely said, and I feel humbled. Thank you. Inderjeet, I think we're coming up on a, a pretty significant milestone in our work together, aren't we? You know, this is right near the end of 2024, uh, the beginning of 2024. Uh, next year is going to be about 10 years partnering with you in India, which, as I have seen, has become quite a hotbed for companies hiring coaches. Is that right? Of course, definitely. Coaching is really happening in India. And uh, I mean, almost every leader is aspiring to have a coach, I would say. And uh, yeah, and coming back to our uh, association and partnership, it has been a decade, right? And uh, it's, it's a great milestone, I must say that. And uh, I still remember how it started in 2013. I was, you know, struggling in, with some business side uh, of my own. And Brandon, as you know me already, I've been a business guy all my life. You know, M my focus has been business purely. And uh, so 2013, I was figuring out what to do, how to expand my business. And then uh, uh, some, somebody told me about Marshall 
and then i wrote to marshall and how marshall connected with me with with the team over here and how it all translated so beautifully uh, i mean i'm I, i still remember it's like a it's like a fairy tale it's like a journey that uh, i wish everyone should have Yes, you know, I I remember it fondly as well and I I have a you know, a different experience along the way, but I do remember the first time that we uh were fortunately in contact as we were doing work there in India and thinking, man, it would be so much easier if we had someone here who who could, you know, help us navigate the complexities. Uh and that started in about 2014, so maybe you can share us share with us kind of the landscape leading up to that point. yeah so i uh, and, and what people often ask me is that how come an engineer what's an engineer doing in coaching space because you know uh, that's more like softer side working with leaders helping them grow and improve change their behaviors etc uh, for me it was not like some for some people it's like you know this is this was my calling i discovered this as my calling it was never like that for me it was more like business and uh, so i was in a training business and uh, 2009 somebody told me hey why don't you become a coach and um, i said what is that because it was in 2008 or 9 being a coach was very new thing in india and we were uh, i mean hardly hardly there were probably not even 100 coaches i would say right and people who would call them as coaches were actually not coaches right so <laughs> so what happened then i i signed up for a program i became a coach and then uh, i stayed in that space for four or five years so 2013 i decided uh let me start my own coach training because i found there was a lot of scope of delivering a higher quality uh, learning experience for the people who wanted to become coaches and uh, so 2014 as i would say had been a lucky year for me because i started my icf coach training and at the same time um i started working with you guys right yeah and and i you know i still remember uh when i was interacting with you people uh i mean we just had one or two email exchanges and you said okay we are good we would like to work with you and then and then uh, uh, i said okay so let's plan a program and uh, and then i said okay i'll market your programs in india and then i said look th- there are some people who are willing to sign up how do you want to go about it and you said go ahead take the money in your account i was like okay you trust so much so that was really powerful and i what i have seen is that uh, people look at marshall all the time and i i really appreciate and i've had so many interactions with marshall in person but i want to highlight the the team behind the staples and coaching frank you brandon julian you guys have been great right and uh, you guys trust others like anything and i've been really i feel indebted that way and uh, yeah so i look up to you guys from that angle and oh it's beautiful thank you for that energy you know i i very distinctly remember the uh, internal conversations uh, about bringing you on as a partner and it was not a long it was not a long conversation you know we we sort of hold this perspective that we have a moral obligation towards trust in this space um given what we do and how much we ask uh trustwise of our clients and it was like well you know we get a lot of pitches from coaches to partner and not a lot from from business people which is what you brought and that was such a no brainer uh you, you know if you've ever worked with marshall you know the immense trust necessary to work with him and the trust that he extends um to the few people he'll work with so yeah that was good tell us a little bit about um your your experience transitioning from being a business uh, being a business person into the space of coaching because this is this is there's a lot of executives eyeballing retirement now and looking at coaching as a prospective career can you unpack what that looked like for you 
So for me, Brandon, it has been always business, right? Um, and I was at that point in time, I was offering training programs for engineers uh, in the companies because most of the companies, they wanted their engineers to stay up to date with technology, right? Uh, and the latest developments in science. And uh, for me, being a business guy, I would pick up the need in the market, uh, talk to some experts, get them on board and create a program which, which I could offer to the organizations. And when I came to know about coaching, for me, coaching was like an extension of my business, adding another portfolio to my offerings. So that was the initial start. Uh, and then when I became a coach, I, I liked it really. And I started, uh, you know, coaching people. And I really found it that this is something I really love doing. And uh, then suddenly an opportunity came where I started training people to become coaches. And that I loved further because, you know, uh, what I found was that when I'm working with the leaders, I am impacting one leader, two leaders, 10 leaders whom I'm coaching. But when I'm training coaches, they further go and impact many more lives. So that kind of became a mission for me that how I can uh, train more and more coaches and make them the best coaches so that they can really go out and impact hundreds and thousands of lives out there. So while it was a it was a business idea and it still is a business idea, it slowly, you know, kind of became my calling, my mission. And that's how it happened for me. Uh, and I believe your question is more about how a lot of executives are planning to get into coaching space and how can they transition into this. Uh, and this is this is a question people have often asked me. I've trained, as you mentioned earlier, more than 1,000 people for ICF, close to 500 for Marshall. So, um, uh, and everyone has literally asked me this question, right? So I believe that if you are an executive uh, who wants to transition into coaching, there are a few things that you must look at, right? Uh, two things, basically. One is credibility. When you go to the market, to the potential clients, they are looking to want to look for credibility. How credible are you? Okay. Credibility comes from your past experience. You have 30 years, 25 years of, uh, you know, corporate experience. Uh, credibility also comes from the certifications. Credibility also comes from getting associated with a brand, right? So I would recommend that you look at right kind of certifications for yourself. That's the first thing. The second thing is the skill because credibility will get you a foot in the door, but what will get you repeat business is the skill for if you don't deliver results, then obviously you can't expect right testimonials, right referrals or a repeat business. So I believe that these two things are most important for someone to look at if they want, they're looking at becoming coaches, the right kind of credibility and the right kind of skills. And what were you noticing as a, someone outside the industry coming in with a business mindset? What did you actually notice about the way that coaches were operating in this space? So there was, uh, uh, there was a lot of uh, confusion and uh, chaos, I would say. Uh, and exactly that's what really prompted me to get into coach training because I found that there was a lot of jargon. Somebody's saying this model, that model. In coaching industry, there was a lot of confusion and every uh, coach training company is offering their own model, right? And that I found, and at the end of the day, people want to get into the ICF certification. And that was, I'm talking about 2009 till 14. And uh, I found that uh, people get crazy about certifications, but the skills are equally important, right? So therefore, uh, I wanted to get rid of that. I wanted to create something which was very simple and yet powerful and can bring results and give confidence to the coaches. Because I found that even after getting ICF certifications, a lot of coaches were not really confident about their ability to deliver results, right? And uh, that kind of prompted me. And as I said, the luck would have it. I was lucky and fortunate to offer coach training for ICF and suddenly I also met Marshall and your team 
and uh, i could offer both the programs to people which are which are world class right and can bring results for people so people with your type of background coming out of business eyeballing the coaching industry um it sounds like you're saying they need credibility and they need to actually have the skill to deliver what they say they can deliver and this perspective started to be formulated around 2009 has that changed since then or what have you noticed in the past say 10 years of this developing i would say that this perspective is kind of similar because you know as a as a coach no that also when i might be digressing a bit but but i believe that many people who want to come into coaching space uh, they look at getting certified and they look at getting the skill uh, but what they forget is that becoming a coach is like a business like running a business you are an entrepreneur right so when you are running a business uh, it's not just offering services becoming a coach learning how to coach is just a service you are creating but running a business means you need to have a marketing you need to have sale you need to have uh, after support you need to have invoicing you have to accounting so there's whole lot of thing around that so as a as a coach if you if you are really aware that you are running a business then that will make lot of sense for you it's not just getting the certifications right that's one thing and uh, the other part is that at end of the day when you approach the client you know how do you approach the client makes lot of difference and i believe that the skills and the credibility gives you a lot of confidence when you reach out to the clients okay um another facet which i have also seen is and this might uh, uh, be my opinion but i've seen it while getting validated many a times uh, most of the organizations when they hire a coach they hire a coach for their business leaders right they hire a coach because they want the leaders to change their behaviors many people ask me coming from the business background oh will we be able to become a good coaches because you know there are a lot of hr professionals who are becoming coaches and they are from hr and so therefore they are more competent they are more aware of human behaviors and stuff like that and i found that it is actually the other way around organizations they prefer coaches with the business background because they are getting the leaders whom they are coaching getting coached are business guys that's the another tip that i would like to share yeah we find that overwhelmingly to be true Good. Something else I'd love to dig into, Inderjeet, is your perspective on the coaching market in India. And the reason I want to ask this is I have a very unique perspective by the numbers, but this is far from a a complete perspective. You're there. You're seeing this happen in real time. So what I've noticed is that the market in India for coaching has exploded far beyond what anyone has predicted would happen. um it's becoming a major hub for coach training and it's becoming a major hub for organizations hiring coaches it seems that it is becoming far more ubiquitous in india to have a coach in your organization working with your senior leaders more so even countries like the united states where we were very early adopters of the service what have you seen in terms of the expansion of the coaching market in india Yeah Brian you're right uh, this has kind of happened and I I expect it to explode further uh, in a, at a larger scale I would say uh, I like to uh, you know retrace how it has uh, really happened when I became a coach in 2009 I used to wonder who would pay me even 2000 rupees for coaching right that was the belief uh, I kind of had for some time and then because I felt people who are established uh, would make it but what I found was that uh as i started establishing myself and as i started uh you know getting settled and maturing as a coach 
um, and there were many other coaches who were coming in the field as well, um, uh, the market started expanding, right? So there were there was a lot of scope there. Uh, and uh, because, you know, as a coach, you can only deliver like how many clients you can do in a year, right? So, so obviously, when the market is expanding, you need more and more coaches. So I believe that this has really, really happened and uh, coaching has exploded and it is going to be exploding further. I don't know what's the next level of word for explosion. <laughs> maybe maybe a bigger bomb or something like that, I would say. Yeah, but I think it's becoming a fad. Like, you know, every top leader in the country is uh, asking for a coach. Initially, when it started, it was more looked upon like a rem- remedial thing, like something is something is wrong with the leader and needs to get corrected. Now, everybody wants to have a coach, every leader. And in fact, any organization uh, which is not hiring coaches or leaders who are not hiring coaches actually may be finding themselves uh, uh, on a back foot, right? You know, they are not really in the right place, I would say. I just want to quote one more thing here, and this is very India-specific. Uh, recently, I was, uh, I did, we did a webinar for, uh, for coaching in uh, India, and I had invited some HR heads on the, uh, as I was interviewing them, and they were the panelists and uh, i was surprised i mean i was happy actually not surprised so one of the uh, one of the hr heads of a large bank in india he said that you know uh, we have of late uh, made 30% of our training budget as coaching budget so that's the kind of impact that uh, coaching is you know that's how the decision makers are seeing the impact of coaching and they are willing to invest more in that that's good. I mean, it's a really easy competitive advantage to get a hold of. Um, and it makes, I mean, the, what is borne out in the research is that it makes a massive difference, not just in terms of performance, but also in terms of the employee engagement, in terms of uh, increasing retention rates, everything like that. Um, so it's good that companies are doing that. And it's good that India as well is really, really adopting this um, this quickly. So in your, your travels, I mean, you've transversed so many different fields, functions, and areas of, of business in the industry. Um, what problems were you noticing that coaches were experiencing in their service delivery? See, coaches, uh, what I found over a period of time, uh, struggling with the, initially I found that coaches were struggling with getting business. Uh, and I, when I dug deeper, I found that uh, one of the reasons was they were not doing well. They were not trying to sell their services well. They were not good sellers and marketeers. Uh, I also found they were not very convinced about their ability as a coach. You know, their conviction on being able to deliver results uh, was very subtle and unconscious uh, uh, thing that was playing on their mind. And that's why they were not able to sell themselves well. So majorly that was the reason. And I believe that uh, it is also about how a uh, good a coach you are, what kind of tools you have. And I really appreciate the gesture, the effort that you guys are doing to create more coaching tools for people, collate them from the experienced coaches and bring them on the, on one plate, on a platform for everyone to use them. Yeah, I think if coaches have great tools, that will give them a lot of confidence to be able to deliver results. And from that confidence, uh, I think they can go and convince their potential clients. As our conversation unfolds, you may be wondering, what is this whole stakeholder-centered coaching thing? It's a leadership development process that guarantees leaders become both recognized and acknowledged as more effective leaders by key stakeholders in 12 months or less. Nearly 5,000 coaches have been trained in this methodology. The coaching program is designed to build functional expertise from three stages, intellectual, practical, and applicable on the job. 
in addition to graduating with the most rigorous research-driven coaching methodology on the market, you'll also walk away with measurable coaching results and a lifetime certification to show for it. We don't just believe in what we do. We stand behind it. And that's why we are giving away complimentary access to the first stage of the training to anyone listening to this podcast. Get your very own access code today by visiting mgscc.net forward slash sample dash course. Let's tune back into the interview. Well, let's talk about this tool that you've brought to us today about, uh, about stemming. Can you, set that, can you set that up for us? Definitely. So uh, this is something that's, that's very powerful and I often discuss this with a lot of our coaches. This is something that can take somebody, a coach, it can help a coach take their leader or a client whom they're coaching uh, deeper uh, into thinking more, um, you know, invite their uh, creative thinking and take them to kind of a root cause or take them to the Z of the issue, right? So this is like if you... If you ask me, if you are my coach and you were to ask me, okay, what are the benefits for you for X, Y, Z? And I might say, well, I'll have, uh, uh, you know, more time for myself. Um, and then um, what do you do next? So what happens is that uh, uh, this is a concept of like a tree, like there's a stem and there's a branch. So you want to, when you, as a coach, ask the client your first question, and I'll build it up with an example. So let, for example, you ask the client, hey, what are the benefits of, uh, let's say, becoming better in uh, delegating appropriately? And then the leader would say that, uh, you know, I'll have more time on my hands, right? So generally, what do you do next is, uh, because th the first question you ask, what are the benefits is a STEM question. And then when the leader responded, that starts a branch. So you start follow up, asking follow up questions. So those are branch questions. And you will say, okay, what are the benefits of uh, having more time on your hand? So leader might say, well, I can uh, do more creative work, I can do more strategic work, I can prepare better, or I can learn new things for myself. Then as a coach, you don't let go of that, uh, you know, string of uh, questioning, you continue on that. And okay, what are the benefits of that to you? Right? That's like a branch question. And then the leader would say, well, the benefit is that my, my efficiency would improve, my team effort would improve, my productivity would improve. Okay, what would be the benefit of that to you? Well, the benefit of that to me could be that uh, my effort might be recognized. I might be considered for the next role. I might get promoted. So, you know, so you have really helped the leader see multiple benefits of that just one act. So you've taken them to the gist of where it could go. And then once you feel that you have done enough uh, effort in the branch, you will come back to the STEM question and you could ask, okay, what else could be the benefits to you of uh, delegating appropriately? right? And the leader might say something else and that starts another branch and you take it to its logical conclusion and then you come back and ask what else. So so this is, and once that is done, then you can move to the next STEM question. Something like, okay, what are the costs? Like, if you were to uh, improve in this, what are the costs for you? Like, what it, does it take for you? And the leader says A, B, C, D, and then you take it further, uh, follow-up questions, take into branching, and then come back what else could be the cost for you? So, you know, so like that, what you're doing is you're making the leader go deeper, deeper, deeper to the next level, to the Z of that particular point. And that has a very powerful impact on the leader because now the leader can see, uh, see the whole thing in a very different view from a very different perspective. It can make the leader think 360 degree around that. That's how I would say. And that's what our job is as coaches, right? 
Perfect. So this helps coaches ask better questions to get to the impact of change more quickly and more efficiently. Is that a fair way to summarize it? Absolutely. Thank you for saying that way. Well, I, you know, Indrajit, would you be willing to just do a quick, uh, a quick test here in front of our audience? Um, I can tell you something I'm, I'm trying to change and you can demonstrate with the stem and the branches. What do you think? Why not? Definitely. I would love to do that. Okay, let's go for it. All right, lead us, Inderjeet. I'm here for you. Okay, so Brandon, what is it? So by the way, before I go there, I want to set the context. This is something you can use anywhere in the stakeholders and coaching process. And right now I'm going to demonstrate it, how you help the leader do an analysis around what goal to pick up for getting coached. Perfect. And do you want me to pick a, a leadership goal? Do you want me to pick a personal goal I'm working on? How would you like to demonstrate it? Anything, because this is this is a tool. Tools are like formulas, right? They'll work everywhere. I'll pick a personal, uh, something I'm working on is just, you know, improving my flexibility and mobility because I want our listeners to, it's readily apparent to anyone looking at this document, how meaningful this can be in coaching leadership. But I would like for, I would like for all of you listening at home to understand this can be used in parenting. This can be used in your local political town hall. This could be used anywhere where someone is trying to make a, a meaningful change. So energy, I'm working on improving my flexibility and mobility. You know, I, as we said in your intro, you want to help people become more wholesome human beings. And I would like to focus on being able to crawl around on the floor and hide under cabinets with my, my kids. So mobility and flexibility. Great. So, Brennan, what are the benefits of if you were to become better in fle being flexible and mobile, what are the benefits to you for that? Yeah, the biggest one is just it's going to be easier and less taxing to to do like rough and tumble play with my kids. That's pretty important to me. Okay. And if you were to able if you were able to do that, how would that uh, impact your life? Well, I mean, obviously, it's it's going to strengthen the relationship I have with my kids. You know, right now they say, daddy, come and play in the closet. They like to turn off the lights, play with flashlights. And, uh, you know, in one particular closet, I can just barely stand straight up. They're down on the ground crawling. And if I could get down there with them, I think they'd feel a lot more like I'm there and active with them. So strengthening relationships for sure. Okay, great. And uh, what do you see are the benefits of that for you? of strengthening relationship with your kids? Well, I think both of them would grow up with more psychological safety. Um, I'd say this is important for my son, who is extremely hyperactive. He's a chip off the old block. Um, that safety would be important for my daughter because the world she's growing up in is not... I think the world she's growing up in, I hope, goes through pretty positive changes. And in the meantime, she should have that safety. Uh, I think they'll grow up more well-rounded. They'll have a better anchor in the, the home. They'll feel, yeah, I think overall, they'll just feel more rooted in the family. Okay. And if they were to grow up with a lot of psychological safety, well-roundedness and rooted in the family, uh, what impact would that have on you? Let's look at various other aspects like, you know, how would it make you feel? Uh, what else can you do with that feeling of confidence or whatever you are getting? Oh, wow. You know what, Inderjeet? If I were to fast forward to the end of this movie, it will make, this is a little little dark, but it would make dying a lot easier. Like I, I would be able to rest in peace, so to say, knowing that I did my best. No, I, I did what I knew needed to be done to maximize the impact a father can have on, on his kids. That's, that's 
really powerful. Thank you, Brandon. I want to take it a bit ahead. Are you game? So my question to you is, that's that's future future for, forwarding it to future, right? How it is going to right now when you have this assurance that your kids are going to grow up as well-rounded, rooted, psychologically safe, they'll feel when they grow up. Uh, what can that do for you now? That assurance, that confidence that this can lead to that. Yeah, you know, it's such a parenting is such a nebulous thing. I think someone, it was my mother actually, who said very wisely that you're just dumping all this energy, resource, effort in, and you don't know the return or whether you even made the right, the right decisions until like 25 years later. And then it's like, well, it's already gone. Um, and that haunts me. That will keep me up at night. And so being able to turn that down by 10, 15% would have a, a huge impact on my ability to sleep and my ability to have energy during the day. And that translates to more impact here in our networking community. Like, yeah, this is really a no brainer now that I look at it. <laughs> I'm glad to see that. So, you know, what else, uh, in addition to, you know, having better relations, what else could you do you think be the benefit to you of being flexible and mobile? Oh yeah. Well, um, my wife is a yoga and Pilates teacher and would always, has always asked me to, um, get into it with her. I've done my very best and it's just never stuck, but I know it would be impactful for her if I attended a, a, a either a class of hers or a class with her. Um, yeah, she'd be happy about that. So, so being flexible is you will make time to be with her in her class or with her class. Okay. And how would that impact your relationship with her? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think, I think in just a handful of classes, she'd start saying, okay, honey, thank you. Stay home now. Good job. <laughs> uh, but she'd feel more supported. Yeah. That's definitely a big one. Then she won't have, she won't be nagging you all the time. Right. At least after a few classes, she'll say, stay home. But that, that thing gets ticked, right? Yeah. Okay. Great. Great. So moving on, Brandon, what do you think is going to take you to be flexible and mobile? What is the cost? Oh man, it's five minutes a day, seven days a week. Like this isn't, this isn't hard. It's, I mean, even going through this, I realized like, come on for, I'm losing more than five minutes a day thinking of how to solve these individual problems. If, if I just put it into this, I'm actually going to make a big, oh, this was, this was both a good idea and bad idea. <laughs> it's five minutes a day. That's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah. I mean, and is that really tough on you? Oh man, no Inderjeet. I just, I have quality excuses. That's, that's the problem. Um, you know, when I come at this, I always just think, I, I, I think about it when I notice it. And when I notice it isn't when I'm running around with the kids or when my wife is off at yoga, it is when I'm doing my own exercise routine. And I think, I just wish I could move a little bit more this way or that way. Um, but linking it to what I really want, which is family impact, uh, it really brings the, the cost. It puts the cost in the background and the benefits in the foreground in a way that I hadn't really thought through. In a way I hadn't thought through before Inderjeet, but I know this stuff. This is what we teach. Um, <laughs> it's the real value of a coach. Even a coach needs yeah. a coach, right? Brandon? Yeah. Yeah, I often say that. And that's true for me as well. So, so Brandon, now that we have done a bit of analysis around that, and if I had more time, I would, uh, you know, take you further in branching of this. So is it really worth it given the benefits and the cost that it involves? 
Absolutely. And I'm going to follow up with you in 30 days to tell you how I've been doing on this. I'm going to make a note on that right now, actually. Okay, great. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, when I, when I think of these issues, I generally think about it as my own deficiency and I'm noticing it, noticing it in my own activities. Uh, the outcomes I really want to create are not for me. That's kind of the side benefit, but, but, uh, it's rare that I'm, you know, doing a workout, wishing that I was more flexible, but also thinking about, you know, crawling around in a closet or a tunnel or through boxes with my kids. So, yeah, it really does put the most important aspects up front in a way that I wouldn't have thought of before. Excellent. Thank you. That was a quick, sweet demo of the tool. Yeah, well, thank you for, thank you for sharing this. Now, uh, it's clear to me and I think to the audience how this is relevant for um, for coaching, but let's step into the shoes of the the business people, which is the background and perspective and passion that you and I share. If I am sitting in my uh, corner office, looking out the window and thinking about how I as a manager be a better coach, what are some use cases that I might have for this tool? Okay, that's a good question. As I said, that tools that I believe in are more like formulas. I mean, you just have to change the value of X and Y and you get the results. So here, if you are a manager and you intend to use it with your teams uh, or with your colleagues or uh, with direct reportees, uh, you can use the same way as, uh, as I just demonstrated, right? I mean, when somebody, you are having a conversation with a, with someone in your team, uh, you can help them uh, see the benefits, costs, and by the way, costs are more like uh, investments, like what it takes. And there's another facet of cost, which is um, uh, what if you don't change? Like, I mean, for one of time, I didn't ask you, what if you were not becoming flexible and mobility uh, and mobile? How would that cost you? What's the cost of not changing in that behavior, right? So the same way these guys, uh, the leaders, they can use the same tool with the, with the fellow colleagues or with the team members, help them explore. See, the beauty of coaching is, and especially for leaders who are uh, not coaches, but they want to use coaching with the, with the teams, is that mostly leaders, we have had a style of telling things to people, right? So our style is more like I'm the authority, I'm the leader, and I'm telling my, you know, direct reportee what to do. But then that is no longer working, right? And we all see that it's just not working. That's why you have to shift to asking. And this is a tool which helps you ask. So when you ask these questions, you are actually helping the other person own the whole decisions. You're helping them see different perspectives. You're not telling them, right? So you're not telling them, you're making them self-realize. You're making them come out of by their own, uh, their own programming, their own internal map of reference. You're helping them look at how they see the life and you're achieving your objective still. And how did this affect your coaching, right? At some point you were coaching and you didn't have this tool. You started to develop this. What what changes were you able to tangibly see in your coaching once you started using this tool? See, uh, once I started using this tool, I found that my, my coaching became very profound. The client, I was able to help my clients get results faster. Uh, that was one. And the results were also profound. Like people would say, wow, like you were saying right now, right? They will say, wow, I never thought it like that. And, and that's the whole purpose of coaching. And in just like, Five minutes, you can help the client go deeper and help them come up with an aha moment, wow kind of a thing. So I, I found that it was really powerful. And I've had, I've had various versions of this tool and I've, 
I've used it in many, many ways to help my clients get better results. Quicker, faster, permanent, profound. Mm. Well, I mean, it's clearly a, a great tool in coaching, you know, a stakeholder center coaching. This is a great way to a great tool in phase one, step one and two, primarily two when you're picking a growth area. But it also seems like it has deep implications in a prospecting or sales conversation when someone's saying, I think I want to get better. I think it's coaching, but I'm not fully committed. I'm just kind of looking around. Have you used this in a sales context? Uh, in fact, uh, uh, this also hinges upon another perspective of uh, a coach, which is what I often call as a coach approach, which is again more like when you're selling or when you're a leader who wants to use coaching skills with your uh, team members. Uh, coach approach for me is making the other people realize, right? When I'm selling, most of the time as salespeople, we are, we are pitching what we are offering, what are the benefits of the service or the product that we are offering. What if you were to ask questions and help the other person self-realize how your service or product is going to help them? Right? That's like you already made a sale. That's so profound, right? So they, they really feel connected to you, right? See, I'll tell you another thing which I've seen is a very subtle thing. When you use such tools, what you're doing is you're asking questions and you are honoring the other person when at a certain level, when you are asking questions, at a certain subconscious level, you're saying, hey, I honor you. That's why I'm asking you questions. What is What are your thoughts on this? And when you tell, you're telling them, I don't, I honor myself. I am a better person. I know more than you. And uh, probably you know lesser, right? So in a way, when you ask questions and use such tools, you are keeping the person at your level. You know, it's like you are equal. You are honoring them for who they are as human beings. And uh, when you tell, and you sell, 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 keep telling the points, 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 stuff like that, uh, you are overriding their programs. You're not honoring them. You're trying to impose yourself. That at a subtle level doesn't land well. If you were to use this approach in your sales, you'll, you'll find that your selling is improving. Your, sale, your people feel connected with you. They like you. They want to work with you. It's beautiful, the idea of, of honor. And I think that is something that's, um, that, that is missing in, in many coaches sales process is providing that honor and not jumping in with, Hey, I've got a solution. Why don't you tell me if you've got a problem, but it's really, Hey, do you think that you have a, a benefit from making the change that you have self espoused? You want to, you want to change and then letting them come up like the, the, the whole idea of fast forwarding the tape all the way down to death, which again, sorry to keep bringing it back to this. One of my, my like unrational, irrational fears is I don't really want to die alone. You know, I don't want to be, be kidnapped and off in a field somewhere. And the idea of what well, is going to be cut by the way, <laughs> the, the idea of fast forwarding to the end of life and seeing like, how are you happy that you spent the five minutes a day? Like what a, what a scary, a profoundly, uh, profoundly jarring question to ask. And so tell me about your experience using this uh, selling in India, because this is also an area that you have great expertise. Yeah. So, Bren, uh, thank, you for bring, thank you for bringing that perspective up. And I would say that when you were speaking, I was getting another thought. This could be uh, slightly digressing, but might be useful for the audience. Um, I remember one incident when I was uh, presenting stakeholders and coaching to a group of coaches. And uh, so after the presentation happened, uh, so one of the coaches, he came to me and he said, 
Indrajit, I, I, I like the presentation. It's great. Uh, I have a question for you. I said, what is that? He said, um, uh, this is good. You need tools. You need certifications. But how do you get the clients? And I said, okay. So let me ask you a question. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't tell him. I, I responded by asking questions. I said, let me ask you a question. So when, when you approach your potential clients, what do you tell them? Like, what will, what will your service do for them? And uh, he said, I tell them, like, look, I can help you change your behaviors. I can. So, you know, he started giving me that sales pitch that a coach would for a potential client. And then I said, okay, I appreciate. This is great. This is what you're doing. How about doing this for your own self? Right? So, you have a problem. You're not able to sell. How about getting coached on that? Right? So, because you've got a great powerful tool to help other people grow and change the behaviors they want to. And you're struggling with something. You can get coached on that. Right? And that's what I've seen a lot of uh, coaches and including me at times and in the beginning, uh, we don't self-coach. We don't reflect on our own self. We don't want to get coached ourselves. So um, I believe that uh, consistently learning, growing, reflecting, coaching yourself, getting coached should be integral part of us being coaches. How does that work in your life? How do you go about your own self-coaching and maybe even uh, self-care routines as a coach? Yeah. So see, uh, I think, I, and I think that's the process which, uh, which is how every human being has grown in their life. Let me take an example here. Uh, we go to, uh, we go to do workouts in a gym, right? So when we go to do a workout, we start our workouts. We set a goal for ourselves, right? We set a goal that, you know, I want to lose weight or I want to gain muscle or I want to do whatever, right? I want to run a marathon after two, three months. So I want to build my body like that. So we set a goal. And then we start a fitness regime and we do that for two, three, four weeks. And then we take a pause and reflect upon that, that what is, is that what I'm doing working for me or not, right? And if it is not, then you try and make changes. And that's how you achieve your targets and goals there. And that is true for every human behavior to change. And that's what coaching is all about, right? So uh, what I do is I take a pause. I try to look at where I'm heading. I take a pause. And, and this is this has become a part of me now earlier I was very deliberate I would do periodically market on a diary and a calendar but now it comes immediately so you know um, I'm I'm a good I'm trying to listen well and if I made a mistake if I've spoken something differently to somebody which I should not have I'm my some some neurons in my brain they immediately tell me and I'm very reflective so I think by practice we can do that and uh, initially it's a good idea to be reflective periodically what are you doing right in your coaching um, for business development, as a to develop your skill as a coach, uh, ponder over your coaching conversation you're having with your clients. Maybe record them sometimes and listen to your recordings. You know, so and see what your. The thing is that as coaches, we all know what coaching is. The problem comes in doing, right? I know, I know, I don't have to judge people. I know I have to listen well, but how good I am at doing it, right? So that you can only do by while you reflect. Don't don't beat yourself up. Don't feel bad about it. You know, we are all work in progress. But then we are we should be work in progress, which means we should reflect. Right. I love talking with engineers like you, Inderjeet, because just every conversation reveals a process in your mind. So let's invite the audience to participate in this by issuing a challenge of of self-care, um, you know, using our business background. We know that coaches largely are struggling with selling they're struggling with marketing they're struggling with promotion with pricing 
uh, a lot of the business facets, very rarely will a coach say, you know, I'm actually not a very good coach. I need help with that. Usually it's, I'm not a great business person. So let's issue that challenge right now. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are listening in at the gym, if you are, if you are tuning in on your commute, uh, think about what it is, the big, the big business challenge you have in your coaching career. If you're a, a manager, a leader, an executive, what's the challenge that your, your behavioral challenge you're working on? Uh, personally or at work. And then Inderjeet, walk us through the steps that, that the listeners should take to actually uh, set out, set forth this four to six week plan, uh, build in, in reflection. What would that look like? Sure. See, one, one basic concept is that if you have a coach, work with the coach. That's the, that's the simplest thing. Like if you, if you already have a coach or if you don't have a hire a coach for yourself, that is one simple thing that you can bring in. Uh, the, when it comes to self-reflective practice, what I uh, often do is like I list down, okay, you know what, I want to improve my listening or I want to improve uh, not judging people, right? I want to become less judgmental or I want to improve uh, uh, next time I went do a sales pitch, I want to uh, ask more questions, let the other person realize, speak less, let them speak more, stuff like that. So whatever area that I want to work on, uh, what I do is I pick up one question for myself. Like, for example, uh, what is it that's stopping me from doing this? What is it that I need to do more of to become successful here? I, or what is it that I need to stop doing? Or, uh, you know, what is it that I need to start doing? So I'll just take one question and stay with that question for three, four days. Right? So I'm traveling, I'm uh, talking to people on phone, I'm eating food, I'm watching TV, I'm going to gym. So that question stays with me. So whenever I get an opportunity, I reflect upon that question, right? And that, uh, then if I get a new idea, I write it down. And so I stay with that question for three days. Let's say I, I said, what I need to stop doing in order to become better at this. So I'll think of that for three days. After three days, I'll change the question. What I need to start doing. And I'll stay with that for three days. And then I'll change the question after three days. What I need to uh, do less of, right? Or... So like that, so I'll pick up some questions. So I have a, uh, I have a very powerful self-coaching tool, which has a list of like 50, 60 questions. I'll pick up one question randomly and then stay with that for a while. Uh, you know, so, and that's how I do this practice, uh, self-reflective. So for me, that self-coaching is a month long journey on one area of reflection and different questions, uh, asked multiple times in different situations taking a walk early in the morning, taking the bath, watching TV. So, you know, you are in a different space. Your brain is in a different space. You, you get different ideas. That's, I would recommend to others. So the process is think about the thing that you want to change and then meditate on these questions in this domain. What's something I, I should start doing? Focus on that for a few days. What's something I should stop doing? Focus for a few days. Is that correct? That's correct. And that question can be any other question. Like, what, what is it stopping me? Uh, what are the resources I have which I can use to become better at this? Uh, whom I can go and take help from? So I'll, I'll stay with those questions. Questions could be any. Yeah, and you started to touch on, you know, bringing feed forward into this to say, who could I ask for suggestions to improve? I think that's also a, a powerful process. I'll share, share how um, my wife and I go about this because, again... Stakeholder center coaching is not just for the boardroom. It is for, it's like chicken soup. It's for everybody. Um, we talk about would do, could do. 
a could do, would do. My wife will, you know, instead of giving feed forward and I feel like, okay, I've got, you know, one stakeholder here at, that I, I just have to take the feed forward. Instead, she'll say, here's a list. There's always a list. It's never one. Here's a list of things you, you could do. I get to choose what I would do. She gives me the could do list. From that list, I pick what I would do. And then we put it into action. And that's it. So that's as simple as it can be. Of course, this is, you know, just one area, but it's not something that you couldn't do with your direct reports or with your own manager um, or with yourself. I mean, I have to self-negotiate quite often, uh, and this is a, another process. Um, good. So again, ladies and gentlemen, if you're working on something at home, use this. Think about how you can, how you can improve it. Meditate um, on some of these questions. And um, Indrajit, I want to, I want to, go a bit more into what you are seeing in India as it relates to coaching um, and leadership. So I would say if I am a coach in India, I've been, you know, doing this for 10, 20 years, I feel like I'm doing pretty good, but there's always, there's always, you know, that next level, that next step. What advice, given your rich history, your deep wisdom, what advice would you have for me? So do you want me to limit my advice for, for coaches who have been there for 10 years or do you want to expand? Do you want to expand that group of people? I'm a coach in India and I hear this episode and I think, you know, Inderjeet's really got some, some good stuff. I realize I could be improving. Uh, what are the categories of people that might hear this and what different advice might you have for those, those various categories? Yeah, I think if you are a coach with 10 years, you are decently settled. And of course, you're never settled. You need to improve. Uh, but coaches who are uh, relatively new in the field might be much more eager and to understand what to do in their life, how to go forward, right? And uh, so, again, uh, bringing in the aspect of stakeholders and bringing in the aspect of, uh, uh, you know, feed forward. Uh, I've, I've been doing such webinars. You know, I, I prefer to invite panelists uh, HR heads, people, uh, decision makers in organizations who hire coaches, you know. And I remember recently about a week, 10 days back, we did one such webinar. And if you want, I can share the link of that for the audience. But this is majorly an Indian audience, I would say. Uh, and some of the learnings that came out from there, like uh, what an organization looks for in a coach, right? How do they hire a coaches? Uh, so, one thing that came out loud and clear is that there's a new concept of a lot of coach aggregators, which is coming into play, right? Now, as and as uh, coaching is spreading and organization is, uh, you know, willing to get 100 people coach in a year, 150 people coach in a year, <clears throat> obviously, they may not want to deal with individual coaches. They might want to deal with someone who can provide them with, you know, battery of coaches uh, and Obviously, they'll have a process of vetting out those coaches and stuff like that. So it becomes a filtration process for them as well. So one thing which came out was that it's a good idea to be on panel of such aggregators. That was something which uh, a lot of uh, leaders, they shared that they when they hire a coach, they uh, because now coaching is anything and they need multiple coaches. So they prefer to talk to an aggregator, right? Or someone like us as Grow More Avenues because we have by virtue of training coaches for ICF and Marshall Goldsmith. So there are a lot of students whom we have trained and we know who is good and who is better uh, and who is excellent. And then we can also provide them with those coaches. So they need to approach to such people. So that was one advice they had for the coaches. The second aspect that they uh, spoke about was that they would love to uh, interview the coach and understand the uh, 
the skills of a coach from the whole some nest uh, perspective like um, so one of the questions we asked the, them was like if i am a new coach i have just six months experience as a coach will you consider us they, they said yes uh, and that was also surprising when i thought more mature coaches three years four year experience would be considered they said no we are open but then coach you need to have that kind of iq and eq to be able to serve our leaders right and so so that you need to prepare yourself for uh, being able to come across as as a mature person when when they interview you right so every company would have that strategy um these are two three things that came out from that webinar my personal opinion is that um, uh, what i have seen is at end of the day and this is this is uh, brandon this is something that has worked for me and this is really powerful because it will address lot of your doubts and fears in your mind you know and i don't want to uh, and i want to admit that we all have them even if i after 10 years or 20 years being in the industry and you know being a master certified coach i still when i'm meeting a new client or if i think the client is different from a different domain we do have that fear right and it's a good thing to have right so uh, uh, what has worked for me and and so for the coaches i think uh, they they must be having this fear also whenever they are approaching a new client uh, what has worked for me are two beliefs which are very powerful right one belief that has worked for me is that uh, uh, so i'm trying to get into little belief aspect of it which might sound little uh, philosophical or spiritual but that has worked for me which is that universe sends us the clients i can we can handle so the fact that there is a larger force at play and that some opportunity has come and i'm been chosen to coach this person that means i have it in me right so that belief has really really helped me coach very leaders from different backgrounds and tough clients in my opinion and stuff like that so the fact that universe sends us the clients we can handle that has really worked for me and the second belief that has worked for me is that coaching works always there is no bad coaching right so uh, as a coach uh, you may be uh, you may be thinking i didn't do well but the client is getting the value right so if you go if you are trained nicely you have a rugged and uh, you know universally accepted and proven uh, process and method and you're doing uh, well there or even if you are making mistakes it's still working so what i've seen is that a process works powerfully in coaching and uh, people are anyways getting results so don't doubt yourself so let get let uh, get rid of the self doubt that you might have so these two things will really help you there those are very encouraging indrajit yeah yeah that's great so believe in yourself when that that engagement comes along Ex- assume that you are prepared for it that you are equipped for it you're the right person for the job and, and not only engagement even even when you are doing your sales pitch you are meeting a new client uh, there as well i mean this confidence is important that you can really br- bring results the process works when you also talked about you know accept what comes your way but also make sure that you're in the way of good opportunities join these aggregators or work with them be a part of panels make yourself visible and known visible yeah and that thank you uh, brandon bring that up because that's another thought that i want to share with people in india uh, you know uh, in in hindi we say jo dikhta hai so bikta hai so the concept is that what is visible sells so if you want to sell yourself you got to be visible right so you you got to be visible on social media you got to be visible on writing blogs you got to be on some panels or you want to be in network networking meet meetups or wherever there's an opportunity you need to be there I like to encourage, you know, I don't know if encourage is the right word. I like to communicate to coaches that right now during this interview, there is some 
uh, executive decision maker right now picking up the phone, calling a coach or a coaching group to hire their services with no idea where to start and they are just grabbing for whatever number or phone number or email address is most recent or most readily available. And so if you are not accessible, if your webinars are not there, if your YouTube videos are not in place, if your social, put whatever it is, if your, your, your email is not top of the inbox, someone, infer- someone who will provide inferior services is likely to get the job because they are visible. And that is, that is really an imperative for, for coaches. True. And Brandon, this is absolutely true. You have hit the nail on the head. This is happening. I often, uh, every week I get one or two calls from people uh, that we want to hire a coach. And I saw your profile. I heard about you and some stuff like that. I saw your ad uh, on Google or something. And then I want to, uh, we want to hire coaches for, uh, how can you help us? You know, we want to get our leaders coached. And uh, yeah, so you need to be visible. I mean, if you're not visible, then it's difficult, right? And and let me tell you, being visible is not expensive. I mean, that that was a notion I had. It's not really expensive if you really strategize well. I would be willing to bet that those clients that are calling you at that volume, during the conversation, they're coming with no idea what they're asking for. No idea about what coaching is. They just, they're like, we were able to call you. And so that, that's who we went with. Yeah, so there are, and and yeah, so to some extent, yes, but there are some clients who are quite aware. I mean, so I'm happy to know that, that there are some clients, they're, they're aware of the process, but they are not aware of the finer nuances of it. So, so see, the other thing is, the other thing is that uh, what I've seen is that uh, when you are able, when you, in, in your sales pitch, when you're able to explain the client the real benefits of coaching to them, you're also building a great rapport with them. You know, they are going to, they're going to prefer to work with you. What are you doing is simply explaining them what coaching is, how it works, what benefits it can bring to them, and also kind of orienting that discussion to the issues or challenges they are grappling with, right? If you can do that well, you will find that they would like to work with you. You've already made a sale because you really built that rapport with them, right? Yeah, so I mean, so what one thing that I've, has worked for me and I've been through ups and downs in this uh, has been my intent to serve my clients. So whatever, wherever, uh, converse, whatever kind of conversations I have, uh, my endeavor is what am I doing? What am I giving to the other person? Or uh, I try to put myself in their shoes. What am I? Uh, what are they perceiving of what I'm saying? And am I really uh, making sense to them? Or is it really uh, going to be beneficial to them? So I try to convey to them things in such a way that they are able to see the benefits for themselves. You know? So uh, I think... This works beautifully, your intent to really serve others and give your best. I mean, I would say these are the two powerful mantras. Give your best and try and help others get better. Uh, Even in a sales pitch. You know, I I also sometimes like uh, I've had so many sales pitches with the people and they have not hired me. Right. Uh, I, I don't feel disheartened. Right. And I feel that I'm adding value to their life just by virtue of my conversations with them and they tell us that they tell me sometimes maybe I'm expensive sometimes maybe uh, they have a different need or, or or whatever the reason but then uh, I'm anyways adding value to their lives and that gives me a lot of satisfaction it's beautiful and you know anybody who's listening at home that questions the validity of the statement 
if you help people and that is your intent and that is your end goal, that you will by and large be successful with that goal. It will turn into commercial value. If you doubt that, I would encourage you to take the next week and just try to help people that you think don't want it. Just be a genuine, genuine force for good in people's lives and see how frequently people say, no, 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 thank you. I'd rather stay in my current position. It doesn't mean that you need to help people with things you want to help them with. Find out with how they want to receive help, offer that help in abundance, and see who pushes you away. More often than not, you're going to not just make new business colleagues and partners and customers, but you're also going to make new friends and you're going to leave the world just a little bit better than it was when you woke up. And that's a pretty important role for coaches. True. And Brendan, I think you are a great coach yourself and you have had a very accomplished and successful career in this space. I'm sure you would agree that when uh, you do your best and if you don't get business from the client you're working, trying to sell, you get business from somewhere else, right? The client, some, some other client walks in with ease and comfort, right? So that's anyways happening. So one tip that I want to share with audience here is don't get disheartened, right? So um, it's it's not that every client you will pitch to will will give you the business, right? I mean, if you pitch to 10 and you get three or four, that's a decent number. Well, Indrajit, as we wrap up, is there any any final pieces of advice or words of wisdom you'd want to leave with our audience? Audience being coaches, I assume. Uh, for coaches, what I would say is that uh, uh, don't, don't doubt yourself and uh, try and continually improve yourself. Know that coaching, being a, becoming a coach is a business. You are an entrepreneur, not just acquiring that skill. And try and improve wherever you need to improve. For people who are not coaches, I would say that uh, coaching is a great thing that they have not tried. So they must try it because uh, they, are, they are missing out on something, right? There's some missing out on something that uh, they might regret later. So I would say, say that they must experience it somehow in whatever shape and form they can. And I know for sure they love it. Awesome. Indrajit, how can people follow your story, get in touch with you? What's the best way to contact you? I think people can write, reach out to me on my email ID, which is coach at growmorecoach.com. And they, or they can also connect with me on LinkedIn, where my profile is coach Indrajit, uh, which is C-O-A-C-H-I-N-D-E-R-J-E-E-T. And, and we could get connected there. And I'll ha be happy to uh, work with you guys. And, you know, there are a lot of organizations out there right now who are looking for coaches. They don't know where to start. There's so much information out there. Um, if they're listening today, can they also reach out to you just that you could help them get their foot in the door and, and direct them to the best place to get the right information for them? Sure, definitely. Please, I, I invite everyone organizations who are willing to uh, getting ready to hire coaches, people who want to become coaches or individuals who want to explore coaching. I'm happy to help anybody who reaches out to us. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, my guest, Inderjeet Singh. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Conversations with Coaches and sharing this amazing tool around stemming and branching questions. You can find links to Inderjeet's email, social, and website in the description below. Also, if you'd like to ask a question or recommend a guest, send me an email to podcast at mgscc.net. And remember, if you want to get access to this tool, 
If you want this downloadable, you are interested in knowing more about it, you can get it for free at mgscc.net forward slash coach dash toolbox mgscc.net forward slash coach dash toolbox. And if you are already a stakeholder centered coaching certified coach, you can get it right now inside of your SCC portal. This has been another episode of our series conversations with coaches by stakeholder centered coaching, where we believe everyone deserves a stakeholder centered leader. Inderjeet, thank you so much for your time. And thank you for being here. Thank you, Brandon. It was an absolute honor and pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you for joining this conversation, ladies and gentlemen. And until next time, remember to keep learning, keep improving, and keep taking your coaching skills to the next level. We'll see you on the next episode of Conversations with Coaches.